weekend down in um, Nelson uh, with um, the Anglican Youth Groups Conference there. Um, and um, it was a really, really cool time um, hanging out with them. Um, thought I was going down to speak twice, ended up speaking four times, so communication kind of unique. Um, but um, one of the things that um, I just remembered when I was hanging out with a bunch of these young people um, is I'd spend a lot of time doing pre-ministry and chatting with some of them. And one of the common things that came up over and over and over again was um, guilt or shame around how they thought God felt about them. And I don't know how many of you kind of came through through youth group, but I was I was suddenly transported back to always feeling like I wasn't quite doing good enough, um, and just like wasn't reading my Bible enough, wasn't praying enough, wasn't doing the stuff I was supposed to do enough. And I found myself basically sitting with a bunch of young people all weekend, almost like receiving their confessions of how they felt like they weren't measuring up, and then just saying again and again, like, "Oh, God is way better than you think He is, <laughs> like way better than you think you think He is," um, and. Um, yeah, I think there was something in one of our seasonal guides earlier in the year that said, like, how much better is the God we have than the God we think we have? Um, and just like, as we're, we're going to talk about prayer tonight, and I think prayer can be a place of guilt for us, even, you know, we're not teenagers anymore, but we can often feel um, like maybe we don't, we don't do it enough, or we don't do it right. Um, and um, I've also been reminded uh, over summer, I read um, Return of the Prodigal Son by Henri Newman, which is um, sitting in the bookshelf over there for the library. And one of the... Um, lines in it that are similar along those lines that really caught me and I've had on my wall next to my bed all year is God wants to find you way more than you want to be found. God wants to find you way more than you want to be found. And I just remember being like gripped by this idea that actually, yeah, this God that we have is so much more generous than the God we think we have. Um, and, um, and so I just want to offer that to you um, before we begin tonight, because we are talking about prayer. We are in, if you're new here tonight, or you don't know what we're up to because you haven't been listening, um, we um, are in this little booklet here called Catechism, um, which is accompanied by a podcast each week. We get together in small groups. We um, listen to a podcast. We hear some 101 Christian ideas, and then we talk about them together. Um, and so this week's theme is prayer, um, and I just wanted to start with anyone from seasonal guide groups who has a thought that stuck with them from this week's get together. We kind of talked in our group a little bit about um, kind of having different inclinations, whether it's easier to pray for others or pray for ourselves, mm. and kind of this invitation to push into whatever is not our natural inclination. Totally. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, cool. Anyone else? Um, for Lindley's team, though she's not here today, she's a little bit sick, so I think I can represent on her behalf, um, <laughs> our behalf anyway. Uh, we've been like sharing um, volumes of um, imagination on, on how we belong to Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit, and, and what type of bodies that they've built in individuals, and how we've been growing with them as, as individuals. I think that, that's about all we, that I could say on behalf of our team. It's cool. It's growing here, yeah, growing in so much ways. Possible. It's good, eh? Yeah. If you're growing, that's great. Um, anyone else? Oh, yes, David. Hi. Totally, totally. Yep, cool. 
Okay, well, you're going to talk about prayer tonight, um, as we've been saying the last few weeks, because the kind of the booty theology lives in the conversations. Mostly what we're doing here on Sundays is just sharing some stories and some testimony, um, uh, because we, I guess, want to get to how is that lived out. Um, and also, it's just been nice whānau vibes recently, eh? Of just like sharing some stories of where God has been good. Um, it's been really nice prepping these talks. Um, especially because we prepped them like three months ago. Um, but yeah, prayer is um, it's a mysterious thing. Um, and a metaphor that I've been thinking on for the last um, couple of days as I thought about sharing tonight is this idea of cultivation. Um, cultivation is the process by which you turn over soil to make it ready for life. Um, and I was thinking the kind of the three prongs of this week's uh, seasonal guide were around firstly, prayer is about relationship and intimacy. Prayer, it, it forms us, like it actually shapes us. And thirdly, the prayer actually has this way of changing the world around us. And in this lens of cultivation, the idea that cultivation is about turning over the soil to make room for life. If we to think about these three prongs, the relationship, cultivating our lives to make a good place for a relationship with God to grow. Um, so that could be turning over the soil of our schedules to make room for God. Um, that actually, at the moment, the soil is pretty hard and it's packed full of other plants. And none of those are Jesus. Um, and we've actually got to like turn over the soil to make some room for the life of God, relationship with God to grow. Information, cultivating our hearts to make a place for God's truth to grow. Um, I'm going to talk more about that later, but turning over the soil of our hearts to be able to nourish God's truth in our lives, because sometimes our minds and our hearts are so full of other ideas that there's actually not really room for what God is saying. Um, and finally, praying for the world. I think we want to cultivate our world into a place that is full of life, full of abundance, full of reconciliation, and full of hope, eh? Like we want to turn over the soil of the earth. And, and so this metaphor of cultivation has been kind of helpful for me thinking about tonight. But firstly, I want to look at um, prayer as relationship and, and intimacy. And recently, um, Rose and I have been doing a paper on um, Maori religion and Christian theology um, through Otago. It's the first time they've offered this paper. Um, and at the moment, um, I've been looking at the creation mythologies of Maori and the creation mythologies of um, the Hebrew people. And something really interesting that happened for me like early on in that is realizing like, ah, these are two creation mythologies, both from indigenous peoples. And somehow we've kind of inserted the West in the middle of that translation there and made it hard to understand, but they actually talk to each other really easy. There's, um, there's heaps in common. So both form man or woman out of the earth and breathe life into the nostrils independently. Both indigenous mythologies said that humans came from the dirt and breath was breathed into their nostrils. That's crazy, eh? Thousands of miles apart, thousands of years apart, both chose this metaphor to describe that. Um, both begin with rippling and surging waters and no creation, like nothing. It's interesting. Both begin with waters as their metaphor for chaos and for emptiness. And both begin with a void that is to be filled with life. So thousands of miles apart, thousands of years apart, both have the same realisation of how the cosmos came to be. That's pretty crazy, eh? And I think the thing that, that really is most interesting, though, is that both begin with an understanding of God as fundamentally relational. Um, and so um, in, 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 in Maori um, spirituality, um, there's like these family dynamics. So there's Ranginui and Papatuanuku, and there's, there's Santane who kind of gets between them and pushes them apart. It's like, you know, the picture of a family. You can see in these creation mythologies people reflecting what they saw in their own lives, back onto how the world came to be. And of course, in, um, in the, the Hebrew um, telling, the indigenous story of the Hebrew people, 
um, is that uh, the creation came out of this trinity, who were Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So again, this kind of a family. Um, and that between the Godhead, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, there was such love, such generosity, um, such a heart of care towards one another, that the desire was to share that love with the world. And so creation happens. That, um, that this would be able to be shared. And so what we hear earlier on, I love what Rose said on, this, um, on the podcast. She talked about the idea um, that early in the scriptures, we hear about how God used to go walking in the evenings with Adam and Eve through the garden. And that the story of the scriptures is God wanting to walk in the garden in the evening with us again. And I really like that, eh? That's quite beautiful, that God's longing is ultimately to walk alongside us in the garden Again, that is where God is trying to get back to. So God is relational. And that idea of getting back to those evening walks, I think, is a great way for us to start on prayer. That God is a relational God who wants a relationship with his creation. And um, this is first and foremost what prayer is for. Like Before we get into any of the other complexities, prayer is about our relationship with God. That if we want to know God and we want to walk with God, there is no walking with God. There is no knowing of God without a practice of prayer. That as simply as we can't know someone unless we spend time with them, we cannot know the heart of God unless we spend time with God. Now, how we do that, there's probably a thousand different ways. But the essential thing that to have a relationship with God, we must make time for God, we must turn the soil of our lives to make room to talk with God, to be with God. That is what prayer is first and foremost about. Um, And for me, so I worked out that I have um, been following Jesus for 20 years this year. Um, and, uh, and, and over that time of following Jesus, the nature of that kind of prayer or that relationship with God has really changed. Um, so early days, I really uh, came alive in like uh, ultra Pentecostal settings. Um, and so for me, relationship with God was like God is in the mosh pit. That is where God lives. And God lives most when Hillsong are playing. Um, and so my relationship with God was um, held and passed it very well by Hillsong's records for a while there. Um, But then there has been an experience to that where I think, um, as you know with any relationship or any friendship that you have, um, that as you go on, you kind of develop a vocabulary together, like a little bit of like a language where you can sort of do shortcuts. My friend Elliot up in Auckland, we got together the other week, and it's like the moment we sit down, you're just straight there. And it might almost sound like incoherent to other people, but there is such love in the bank of that relationship that we can just get straight to the point and there are dozens or hundreds of stories of that relationship and i find that this has been my nature of of prayer and relationship with god is that it has been a tapestry that is always weaving more into it one of my favorite parts of that tapestry is um uh about five or six years ago i was sitting in a cafe um, and I was reading, um, I was, I was having, having a rough week, and I was reading the scripture where it says, if God cares for the sparrows and the lilies of the field, how much more does he care for us? It's basically like, if God is interested in really insignificant birds and really insignificant plants, then Scotty, he probably cares about you too. And um, I remember reading this, and I was just kind of like quite hit with the emotion of that. It was like, wow, God cares about me. And then I, um, I'm, I'm deep in the back of this cafe. I'm not near the door. And I look down, and there's a little sparrow just by my foot, just hanging out. And there was this really like incredibly beautiful moment of, of the scripture suddenly just, just, just being kind of embodied in front of me. 
And so for me, like a life of prayer um, has been an awakening to God wanting to speak to me all the time. Um, and, and, and so often I will find one of the, the principal ways that I pray is I journal, like I journal most days if I remember to, and I, I write, write letters to God, I write poems to God, and, and, um, and so often a little sparrow will come and join me. Um, and the number of times I'm like, you know, some guy is just sitting there writing in his book and then wiping tears off his face because a bird has come and landed, landed next to me. <laughs> but there has been like a growing of this relationship. There are a number of things like that where actually I'm aware of the presence of God walking with me all the time. And that is the heart of prayer is actually the developing of that relationship where we begin to notice God at work everywhere. It used to be for me that God was only at work in certain church buildings with certain music. And now God is in the birds, and God is in the plants, and God is in the clouds. And so there is a growing in awareness. So I think the start, the start of our, our conversation about prayer should always be about our growing and developing relationship with God and what it looks like for us to see God more and more in every part of our lives. So that's, that's our first thing. Our second thing is that prayer forms us. Some of you will have heard of a, um, a counselling and a, a psychological um, theory called cognitive behavioural therapy. Some of you have heard of the CBT. And the, one of the ideas behind this is that we can actually retrain our minds. We can actually tell our minds what to think. So some of you will know this better through Soul Tour language. We have Soul Tour come and do um, mental well-being stuff here. And they teach around this idea of truth coaches. That if you have a negative uh, way of thinking about yourself or thinking about the world, then you can interrupt that thought with a phrase, and if you do that enough times, you will actually tell your brain to think another way, and your brain will go, okay, clearly we're not going down this path anymore. Um, so this, this idea that the words we use actually do, do form us, and I love thinking about in, um, in the Psalms where David says, oh my soul, why are you downcast? Lift your eyes to the Lord is that David has this moment of kind of going like, soul, brain, heart, we're not going down this pathway. We are not going down the misery narrative. We're going a different way. And so David, in a sense, his prayers are forming the way that he wants to follow God. And we could translate it, oi, heart, stop being formed by your misery. Look at God, he's good to us. Um, and so, so David does this. And, and, and the, I think the other thing around this, right, you know, we think of prayer as kind of maybe a... Um, uh, like quite an unusual thing, but we are actually, there are narratives and there are words that are forming us all day, every day, whether we are praying or not, right? So the world is forming you. The world is forming you whether you like it or not. You are being formed by someone. Someone is your rabbi at the moment. And that rabbi may be Jesus, but that rabbi may be Coke, you know? And that rabbi may be Apple. And so if the phrases we repeat day to day are phrases about our lack, our unworthiness, our tiredness, our sickness, and our fear, then we actually begin to be formed by those. Like I like to think these are almost like the prayers of the empire, where we are affirming falsehoods over our lives and the way that we think and in the things that we say. You know someone, you know someone who they never have a single good thing to say, right? <laughs> or very few good things to say, and they end up becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy of the things that they're saying. They begin living out those things. There are these mantras we repeat of not being enough, and so I wonder if a way that we could think about prayer is prayer is our counterformation. The world is trying to form us. It's trying to put mantras in our lives. It's trying to put phrases in us which we repeat, which talk to our lack, which talk to our unworthiness, which talk to our failure. 
which talk to that we'll never be good enough. And prayer is the other narrative that rather than affirming the bullshit of the world, affirms the truth of God over our lives. So prayer has this role in forming us, but the words we say actually matter, and we become the words that we say. And so it is taking hold of the words that come out of our mouths and the words that come into our ears and deciding what narrative we will live into. So it's interesting, you know, they say that Jesus prayed the Psalms. When Jesus prayed, he prayed from the Scriptures because he knew it was true, right? And so when we do the prayer book at St. Peter's, some of you will know, and we bring out the prayer book for liturgy here, we say these words because we long for these words to become true in our lives. We long to believe that Jesus Christ is good news for the poor, release for the captives, recovery of sight for the blind, liberty for the oppressed. And we believe that if we say that enough, we will come to believe it and we will become it. But equally, there are many places you can worship in our society. You can worship at the altar of consumerism, and it will give you a different liturgy, and it will form you a different way. And so maybe it is a good, a good way for us to think about prayer, as prayer not as the nice-to-have that we put on the side, but as the essential thing that is our counter-formation against the lies of the enemy and the lies of the empire. There's a, there's a thought for you there that wasn't in our, our podcast. Um, so we hear this in Psalm 119, 9 to 16. Psalmist says this, How can we live a clean life? By carefully reading the map of your word. I'm single-minded in pursuit of you. Don't let me miss the road signs you've posted. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't sin myself bankrupt. Be blessed, God. Train me in your wise ways of living. I love this bit. I'll transfer to my lips all the counsel that comes from your mouth. I delight far more in what you tell me about living than in gathering a pile of riches. So I like that idea that part of prayer, because it forms us, is transferring to our lips the truth of God. Transferring to our lips the truth of God. So what we hear here is that the psalmist has been formed by his prayers and is repeating the truth of God so that he will continue to be formed in truth. Um, and and Dave, um, the psalmist says some, some pretty cool things, but I think there's actually um, someone who says it better, and that's Tessa Guest. Um, and um, <laughs> Tessa, um, she's pretty wise. She's giving the psalmist a run for his money sometimes. Um, and, um, and Tessa joined us a few weeks ago, or actually a few months ago, for um, Second Order, um, which is crew of us who meet to pray and do mission together. And one of the things that Tessa said about two or three weeks in, she said, when I started and I was walking around during the day and it was quiet, I would check my phone or I would think about the work I had to do. And now when it's quiet, I think about Jesus. And so her prayers had transformed what the quiet moments in her life was, what the stories what she was telling herself, what narratives were forming who she is. I think that's powerful, isn't that? Like, I was challenged by that. I'm like, man, I would love <laughs> to be in a place where when it's quiet, I think of Jesus. And this is prayer forms us. These words we say, they, they matter and they do shape us. And so if you are living a life like probably most of us are, where 99% of your life is saying things that aren't true or hearing things that aren't true, you are going to need a countercultural practice to know what truth is in the world. And that is part of what prayer is to us. So firstly, it's relationships. Secondly, it's our countercultural practice. And thirdly, um, prayer actually changes stuff. Like, it doesn't just make us feel better. You know, it's not about us just feeling closer to Jesus, or it's not about um, us being formed into these really incredible people. Um, but actually, there is power in prayer, 
and prayer actually changes things in the world. So I want to read um, some scriptures to you here, and they have a common theme, and uh, there's about 15 more that basically say the same thing. So Matthew 18, 19, If two or more of you gather together in my name, ask anything, and it will be done for you. John 14, 14, If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Matthew 21, 22, And all things you ask in prayer believing, you will receive. John 16, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. 1 John 5, 14, this is the confidence we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. This is like all over the New Testament. You ask, I hear you, I will do. Now, probably some of us go, well, I have asked and sometimes nothing happened. It's challenging, but, but clearly this wasn't one of those throwaway verses which we can contextualize away because Jesus said it like 20 times. Like I'm thinking by the 20th time he knew if he was being misleading and he would have changed his approach. But I think he might actually mean what he says. If two or more of you gather together in my name, ask anything and it will be done for you. It's pretty confronting, but I think it flows from our two other points here. So we begin at relationship with God and love of God we are formed by that relationship into people who want what God wants, what, want what God wants, and then we declare God's will over the world, and He says, "Amen, let's go." So I say that again, we begin a relationship with God and learning to love God. We are formed by that relationship into people who want what God wants, and then we declare God's will over the world, and He says, "Yep, cool, let's go." So story around this. Um, we're, uh, some of you, I know there's a few new people here, and I realised the other day that not everybody knows that some of us are leaving at the end of the year. Um, so myself and um, awesome wife Anna, wherever she is, and um, Andrew and Fiona and Sam and Harriet, um, we're heading up the hill to replant a dead Anglican church in Brooklyn. Um, and um, we're still going to be connected to this movement, and you'll see a little bit of us. Um, but we have had this like crazy thing going on. Um, we started this year, um, I started walking through Brooklyn, and I saw this Korean church um, on the hill. And I had a sense like, this is somehow significant. I think we meant to meet somewhere around here. And so we left it for a little while. We had um, one of our, our, prayer, uh, our last 48-hour prayer meeting, Here's an advertisement for it. And, and even though we kind of knew what was happening, I just really wanted some confirmation on this whole thing. So we put on the form, like, pray for where Blueprint's next mission unit might be, you know? And you guys are like, ooh. Um, and um, an error in the middle of the night at about 1 a.m. goes, I just keep thinking Brooklyn. And I'm just like, thinking, this is ridiculous. And he's like, and I just can't get that Korean church out of my head. And um, Anna and I sitting in the room, we just start cracking up laughing. We're like, this is so incredibly weird. And so there was this house next door to it that we were trying to buy with the diocese, which had four apartments in it. Um, and so we start praying this house in. Like, we're praying like crazy. We're fasting for this house with these, these four apartments. Um, and um, it turns out I found out later that um, we were sitting at one of our community leads meetings, which is all the leaders of um, Lyle Bay and this place and the free store. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, I've been, like, going up and laying my hands on it and singing worship songs. And, and Lana's like, yeah, me too. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, you know, I go at, like, one in the morning, so it's not weird. And she's like, I go at midday. <laughs> 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 I'm like, 
Ugh. And so the funny thing is, we didn't get the house. <laughs> so we're basically there's these people living there and they've just seen us walk up and put our hands on the house every day. <laughs> Pray I don't know. There's, it's like the Pentecostal with me that just can't not be weird every few weeks. Um, or every week. So we're laying hands on this house. We don't get it. And we're like, what is going on? Like, flippin' Era had a word. Who doesn't trust Era? Like, <laughs> it's got to be right. And, um, and so um, we're sort of like really despondent. We're like, this didn't work out. What's going on? Um, and then so I go for a pre-walk up there one day. And I'm, um, I'd actually been to see a movie. I can't remember what it was at the penthouse. And I was like, oh, I've got 15 minutes. And, and so I went for a stroll. Um, and outside of this building on the corner were these two Tommy's real estate signs pointing up the road. I was like, oh, maybe there's something up there. I went up the road, couldn't find the house because apparently it's like hidden like crazy. Come back down and then notice behind these two real estate signs um, that there is another real estate company in the window of these shop fronts, which are part of this building, um, and it says shop for rent. And I think, oh, I wonder if they just sell us the whole building. Um, and so I call up the guy, I'm like, oh, will you sell the whole building? And, um, and he's like, no, people have approached them, they won't. He's like, what do you want it for? I'm like, I want to restart the church in Brooklyn. Um, and, um, and, and also, like, maybe we'll do some social businesses. He's like, have you ever done that before? I'm like, yeah, we did this one on, like, Lower Cuba Street with this cafe. He's like, oh, I go there every morning. He's like, all right, all right, I'll have a chat to the people. And, um, and so we, he goes and has a chat to them, and they're like, oh, maybe we'll sell. Um, and he's now like, oh, but we want, like, we want, like, upwards of $2 million. We're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> We don't have $2 million, but, um, but we'll pass the hat around at Blueprint, eh? Um, and, um, and so we, um, yeah, we uh, start this, this process, and then we end up meeting the people and going through the house. Um, and um, we look around it, yeah, and then um, we're like, yeah, we, th we think this could be really good. It's got two retail spaces in the bottom, two three-bedroom flats and a two-bedroom flat at the back, so it's just, like, set for maybe 15 people to live in community and to run some, like, businesses for social good. Um, and so we start going along and, and we're like, oh man, like, is, how is this gonna come together? And then we find out that there's two people who own this building. Um, one of them is the most vivacious Italian woman you've ever met in your life. Like she literally, every three or four sentences goes, mamma mia, like no joke. <laughs> like, um, like actually. Um, and she's got like a big flowing red scarf and she's just like amazing, she's lovely. The other person who owns this building, this is bizarre, um, is a cradle Anglican who'd been Bishop's Warden at three different churches around Wellington. And so we say to him, we want to replant the Anglican church. And he says, I want you to replant the Anglican church. <laughs> we said, good. And so we sat down with him and, um, and he, um, he wrote a number on a piece of paper and he slid it across to us and it, it was in the vicinity of 2.6. And I thought, oh gosh. Like, this is not happening. Um, so we get a valuation done on the place. Um, and we, um, we're just not going to be able to make it work. We managed to get them down to about 2.3. Um, we work out what we can borrow. The most we can borrow is, like, close to two, basically 600 grand less than he wants. And we're like, we don't think we're going to be able to do this. We keep praying, we keep praying, we keep praying. And then he's like, listen, like, I've talked to, um, I've talked to Maria, and we've talked, and we just really want to sell this building to you. It's just we really want you to have it. House Pizza wants it, and we don't want to give it to them. I think that's so ironic. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> House Pizza or the Anglican Church. <laughs> um, and so, um, 
and he yeah cool um and he so he really, he really wants to sell this to us um and so we just make an offer six hundred thousand dollars less than he wanted which turned out to be exactly what the bank was willing to offer us um and that is like yeah go so we are in this moment now um, where we are basically conditional, waiting on a board that Michael's on. Um, put some pressure on him afterwards if you want. <laughs> um, and, um, and waiting on um, final inspections. And this place will be ours for this new mission of this church. Um, and, and that was, yeah, it's really exciting. like when you hear that impossible without God, impossible without prayer, eh? Like the series of coincidences that happened in there. And even the fact that we met an Anglican who was willing to take a $600,000 hit is pretty incredible too, right? Like, <laughs> like there is grace on grace on grace. And I just, my favourite part of that story too is that like, this just feels like, in the words of Susie Harris, so sneaky Jesus, eh? That we're going like, laying hands on this house and God's like, other side, other side. But this, sorry, I didn't say this is directly on the other side of the Korean church. It's, it's two addresses down the road. Um, and so this, this, this work of God, this work of prayer, um, that actually prayer does actually change things in the world, eh? Prayer actually does change things in the world. And we have seen this year like beautiful stories like what Hannah shared last week of someone having a word around breathing difficulties and anxiety. And how are you doing, Hannah? Good? Still good. And you know, and so set free from the really bad are you like? But actually, like prayer actually changes things. Um, and I just wanted to, I actually just wanted to create a moment here because I think it's, it's good um, if there are a couple of people who want to share a couple of stories of prayer breaking through in their lives recently. Yes, Naomi, come on up. Um, so, since coming back from overseas, I've had a bit of a hard run of it and been out of work and been shifting. And um, my parents have been praying for whatever I need. Um, and I've been waiting for a very long time for a police check so I can get out teaching. And we just moved last weekend. And on the Monday, I got a call from the recruitment agency saying that it had come through. And um, I said, give me two days to unpack. Um, and then for the rest of the week, I've had work. Awesome. So, yeah. I know for some of us in a moment like this, there can be like kind of the thing of like, there can be a cynicism or a scepticism um, around asking God for things because we maybe have had experiences where we feel like sometimes church was a place that talked about prayer just as a shopping list and God was the cosmic vending machine. Um, but I don't actually think that's who we are as a community. Um, so I just want to name that before we maybe anyone who's kind of, I can rack up into that place of being like, it's more than a shopping list. It is. Um, and, and yes, there are more important things in the world than you finding a car park. Um, but God does love his children and does love to look after his children. So, yeah. Um, I'll take um, one more. I might, we've already heard from you tonight, Jess. So I might have one. Who have we got? Yes. Come up, Fiona. So my one, um, I have had some weird health issues lately and I've been having some medical tests and stuff. Um, at church people haven't, you know when people like have a word for healing, 
I've been sort of like waiting for people to get a word and no one has. And I've been kind of like, oh, like I don't really want to like go and ask for healing because I don't know, I was like just feeling kind of mad about it all and didn't want to be like, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't want to ask for prayer for it because I just felt like, well, God isn't prompting anyone to pray for me about it. But then um, yesterday I had some more medical tests done in the morning. And literally, as soon as I walked out of the hospital, um, I got a message from someone who isn't here tonight. But um, and she was like, "Oh, I just really feel like a strong need to like pray for you. Like, do you need prayer for anything?" And I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like, I've just had these medical tests, and I'm like really anxious about them." Mm-hmm. Um, and like gave her a bit of information about it. I was like, "Could you please pray for me?" And like, thanks so much for reaching out. And it just like was really affirming. I think that just like. There's lots of ways that God prompts prayer. Mm. And it's not always like in the ways that we think. But yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. But awesome. yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, I just want to share one more story from um, the, the history of um, our community. Um, which is, um, uh, must have been about three years ago, our good friend Cindy um, had to um, have an operation and they were told, told her that one of the risks of this operation is that they could accidentally nick your voice box um, and you can lose your voice. Um, Cindy works in um, human resources, so her voice is like really important and she was one of the minute number of cases where they actually struck her vocal cords and her, her voice was basically turned into a rasp um, and... Um, they just basically said, we don't know if it will come back at all. Um, and, uh, and so we were at Blueprint Camp um, and, um, and uh, a little Isla Painter, I think it was, who must have been like maybe four at the time, um, her mum, Emily, says, oh, Isla, do you want to pray for Cindy? And she just comes up at four, puts her hand on Cindy and says, Jesus, please make Cindy better. And within about 24 hours, her voice had completely returned. Um, and so I think there's something in prayer where we can sometimes feel like maybe we are not skilled enough, holy enough, good enough, um, but that actually, like, man, like, <laughs> I doubt that Isla Painter had a robust theology of healing. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's that scripture that says, you know, God has um, hidden the wisdom from the wise people and put it into the mouths of children. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, what I'd like to do just finally is, is I just want to throw three real practical starting points at, at you guys for prayer. Is that cool? Because I think for some people, um, again, as I said at the start, this may be a place of guilt or a place of feeling like I don't do enough. My number one rule with prayer and what really liberated me around prayer is my friend Spanky, anytime he, he asks people to start a new prayer discipline, he starts with, just so you know, you will be terrible at this. You'll be terrible at it, and that's okay. We're all terrible at it. And I think that's a really good place to begin. And so my thing with prayer is I know some of us will have that personality where we're like, I want to change my whole life or nothing at all. You know, I'm going to pray seven times a day, every day, for 15 minutes, and fast on alternating hours. (laughs) And... And normally what happens is you get to about day three and you're just like, I'm an awful Christian, you know? So I'm like, I think with this stuff, it's really good if this is, discipline is hard for some of our generation, unless you're Hamish Dobby who has like discipline for all five of his top five strengths um, and, um, and his seriousness for number six. Um, 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 but um, So I, I think that um, it's really good for us to begin at things we can kick ass at. And, um, and not feel, stink about ourselves. Um, so, um, 
looking at kind of these three things of relationship, um, cultivating our lives to make a good place for a relationship with God to grow. Um, so for me, a daily practice of prayer has looked like journaling, and it's looked like that for probably about a decade. Um, and, um, and so probably for me, realistically, if I were to get up in the morning with the fog that my head is in on the way to coffee, um, it is unlikely that me and God would have much of a conversation. Um, but I can write a letter to God, and I do most days, or I write some poetry to God. And I just want to hold that out to you as a possibility in your relationship with God, um, that that may be something you want to do. I, I, I put art out there as another one of those. Um, thinking about formation um, and... Um, have I got like way louder? Well, I feel like something's changed. No? Okay. Um, I think we cannot be formed, if we're talking about prayer as a counterformation to the formation of the world, there is just no way you're going to be able to do that on your own. There's just absolutely no way that you will cultivate a practice of prayer in your life on your own. You just won't. Um, and so um, key to this is you actually need to begin praying with some other people regularly. Um, you know, like I think there's this, um, a really great line from the 3DM curriculum which says you imitate and then you innovate. Um, and we are kind of a generation who really wants to like innovate right away, but sometimes before we actually know what we're doing. Um, and so I think gathering together with a crew of people at set times where you have something to copy and you can learn to pray. You pray the Psalms. Or in the case of um, this community, we have um, prayers down at St. Peter's every evening at 6.30. Um, and if you come along to two or three of those a week, you will be formed by it. You will be changed by it, just as Tessa um, can attest to. Um, so if you want to be formed by God's truth, you're just going to have to do that with other people, um, unless you're like a crazy mystic and you've cracked it already. But, you know, prove it. Um, <laughs> um, and then, um, and then the final one, I think, around um, how this prayer looks to change the world around us is um, that actually um, we need to step into a little bit of a space of foolishness and not taking ourselves too seriously um, and actually um, to, um, to go, maybe God is speaking to me in the day-to-day and maybe I can take a punt on telling someone what God is saying or offering to pray for them or even saying, I'm going to pray for you tonight. Um, but it's actually beginning to take this life of prayer into into the world beyond us. Um, because, um, yeah, and I think like a, almost if you have a rhythm of prayer, to have a rhythm of risk around your life of prayer can be a good thing too. Um, and people that you're accountable to on that so that um, you can actually become that. So there's just some helpful things to begin with. Hopefully they're helpful. Um, but um, I think what we'll do, um, I'll invite the, the music crew up. Um, and um, why don't I'm just leaving yeah. alright okay, see, see you later mate. Week. Yeah, mate why don't we stand together now my guess would be for most of us here that um, we think a life of prayer with God um, is somewhat beyond our own strength so we're going to need the strength of the Holy Spirit to come and empower us for this life of prayer, to have a relationship with God, to be formed, um, and to change the world around us. So I think um, I'm going to do what I did with this bunch of 15-year-olds. Um, if if, if um, you're up for it, we're going to close our eyes, we're going to put our hands in front of us to receive the gift that God has to do, uh, has to give to us, um, and I'm, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing some songs together. Um,
So just place your hands in front of you. Lord, I just pray first of all that you would remove any guilt or shame or um, scarcity ideas that we've had around prayer. And we're just right now, we would know it primarily as being about walking with you and that you are better than we think you are. You love us more than we think you do. And Lord, we desire to be formed. We desire not to be formed by the, the, the false mantras of this world, but we want to be formed by your truth. And so, Lord, Holy Spirit, come and put in us a desire for that. Put in us a desire to know your truth and to be formed by who you are and who you say we are. And, Lord, we pray um, that you would enliven our hearts with the desire to see the world transformed. And where we have become cynical or sceptical in this place of prayer, Lord, I just pray that you would break open our hearts now and we would now be able to believe again that when we ask, you respond and you say yes, you say amen to those prayers. And, and you come in to fight for your children and to fight for the oppressed in the world. So we just invite Holy Spirit come, um, draw near to us. And we know that the, the, the most beautiful thing that can happen here for us to want to pray is an encounter with you, which makes us want to spend more time with you. So we just pray Holy Spirit come, meet with us now.